I loved how they ended the game. If, close out the game with just, okay, we're going to go straight to Dirk and Monte, pick and roll. That's like, that's perfect. That's what you want. Bigger Jason Terry, pretty much. Yeah, more explosive, too. We're doing a basketball podcast tonight, right? We're not talking about a movie. Ladies and gentlemen, get a pet cheetah for no reason. I'm Kent Garrison. <laughs> I'm Brian Gill. I'm Richard Barton. And this is Mad About Movies. Da, 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 da. You sound insane. You realize that? Yeah. The whole world got crazy. Are you serious? It's showtime. Mad About Movies is your go-to show for all things cinema. Each week we talk movie news, rumors, and rumblings, and we also break down our movie of the week. But don't worry, we will give you warning before we go into spoilers. Please stay tuned, if you wish, till the end of the episode for weekly recommends, in which we each suggest something that you need to check out as soon as possible. This week's movie of the week is what, Brian? Ridley Scott's The Counselor. Counselor. My back's against the wall, man. Money problems are serious problems. I will set it up. 625 kilos. We're probably looking at 20 million. I know why I'm in it. Do you? Now, we usually like to emphasize that the title of this podcast, Mad About Movies, is meant to be taken figuratively. Right. But on occasion, we have no choice but to take it literally. I think this week might be, might be one of those weeks. I don't know how you guys feel, but I'm feeling mad, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. I'm angry. Uh, so, man, what a crappy two weeks, guys. Yeah, it's a bad... What a disappointing two weeks. In our uh, coming off of Rush, Gravity, Captain Phillips, and then into these two weeks has been quite the disappointment. Sure, yeah. Well, let's not give away our entire review of The Counselor, but... Uh, did not meet our expectations. I go. We'll go into specific, oh. two specifics later, sure. for sure, and talk about Ridley Scott and his movies and the actors involved in this um, in this movie and all that good stuff. But that's coming up later in the show. But first, we got to kick things off uh, with a little bit of movie news. Movie news. Yes. Rumors and rumbling. That's awesome. Let the filibustering begin. So, Brian. Yes. I meant to ask you this last week, and Richard too, I guess I'll throw this question your way. Um, it's, we've been a few weeks removed now from our Rants and Raves Fall 2013 TV Pilots episode. Yeah. And I wanted to just check in with you guys, see how you guys have been keeping up with the shows, and uh, if you've started watching a show you didn't like at first, or what the deal is there. So, Brian, uh, how's your journey been so far? Uh, it's been, you know, it's been decent. I... I'm trying to think of the shows I've stuck with. I'm still I'm still with uh, Blacklist, and uh, I, I I've told you guys I, I readily admit I'm I'm pretty much only watching at this point because Spader is greatness. Um, but man, he's really good. Are you guys keeping up with this? The Blacklist? Yeah. No, man. Honestly, I saw the first episode, and it was so freaking awesome. Yeah. That like I just know every episode's awesome. <laughs> So yeah. I'm just like, <laughs> I, I'm not, I'm in no rush to watch it because sure. I don't want to like ruin it. Does that mean, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's one of those, like, you know what your best Christmas gift is. And so you save the best for last, you know? Yeah. I just know like when season one comes out on Netflix, I'm going to binge watch it and it's just going to be like one of the greatest 
watching experiences <laughs> I've had. But I mean, everyone I've talked to is, is like obsessed with it and says yeah. it's quite strong. So how's it holding up? You know, it's it's good. I I, I don't know that I would stay with it if it wasn't Spader, but the very much like uh, in our pilot talk, we talked about Brooklyn Nine Nine how. The show wasn't that great, but they got how to write for Sandberg. And I, I feel like this show knows what they've got with Spader, and they are exploiting that every single week. And I, I love that. So it, that's been very good. I don't know that the rest of the show is all that great. It still hasn't really found a groove for me yet, but but Spader's plenty good enough for me to stick around. So I've, I've enjoyed watching it week to week. Um, haven't let any pile up. So that, you know, that always shows that you're actually digging something if you watch it for me at least if i watch it in the, the three or four days after it uh debuts each week then i know i've i'm i'm at least more than marginally into it you know now is it a show that you're catching live or even tivoing it no is it- uh, i dvr everything i don't yeah. i don't know that i watch anything live except for sports um i, I might mean, be I, that way too actually I'm i just to- i hate commercials and if i can I, yeah, I mean, if there's a show on that I want to watch, I will, if it's like in the hour that it comes on, I will, I will watch other things that are on my DVR and then go back and watch it. You know what I mean? Like I never watch a, uh, a TV show live unless it's an event, like a finale or something like that. Sure. You know what? And what's so great about, about apps like HBO Go and ABC, watch ABC and things mm-hmm. on HBO, especially Every time I scroll down to HBO, I'm like, everything's at least an hour or 30 minutes into it. And I'm not going to start a movie 30 minutes into it, especially when I haven't seen. Yeah. It's very rarely that I'll scroll down there and one is like just starting that I can watch that I actually want to watch fully uh, and do it. So yeah, yeah, those stuff like that is great. On-demand viewing has just spoiled me really. Sure. Um, Have you heard of The Hopper? I have. I don't have it. I have it. I have DirecTV. Uh, Ah. you can only get that, I guess, on Dish. On Dish, uh, yeah. So the yeah. Hopper, what it does is it literally skips commercials. It cuts out all the commercials mm-hmm. from your from your DVR stuff, which I invented that like eight years ago. <laughs> I just never patented it. Sure. I was like, that would be the ma- most amazing thing if they had TiVo that just automatically skips commercials. That would be right. awesome. Don't even have right. to pass forward. That's cool. <laughs> Anything else you've been watching besides Blacklist? Um, I've stuck with, with uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh-huh. Um, and it it – is very much holding true to what I felt like what we talked about when we talked about pilots for me was I don't think that this show can be anything better than a B plus ever. And it, I think it's kind of holding to that. Now the flip side of that is it's been, I don't think they've had an episode that's been worse than like a B minus. So we're, we're probably six or eight episodes in and pretty much every episode has been, a solid B, and this is, you know, sure. it's entertaining, it's decent. Um, they definitely have some room for improvement with the cast, especially. But uh, I was talking to a buddy about this uh, last week, and he's a big Whedon guy, and uh, his point was Whedon is, cer- is, is certainly not above killing off a character just because the actor is not working. So maybe, sure. <laughs> maybe there's a point, uh, especially like the main... Not Coulson, obviously, but the main guy that's on his, I think his agent Ward is his name. The one they recruit in the first episode. Yes, yeah. yeah. It's just so cardboard and kind of worthless. So that'd be something that I'd like to see them improve. Um, I don't know. Like, it's, 
it's funny. I've seen people complain about that show more than any other of the new shows, and yet people continue to watch it. And I feel like it it points to my my point from the beginning was look, it's not going to be Avengers. You just need something to be entertaining and not offensive each week. You know what I mean? Like it, you can just fold your laundry or do other things or whatever while you're watching that. And that's, that's okay. That's all it's going to be. You can't get the Avengers 23 times a year. It's not going to happen. So, uh, I've enjoyed it. Have you, uh, can yeah. have you stayed watching that one? I have. Or? It's really the only one that I've, uh, been, that I've seen every episode since the premiere. Yeah. And I agree with you. I, I didn't agree with you during the episode. If the listeners remember, I think I mm-hmm. sort of said I wanted it to tie more into the movie world. Yeah, but it's definitely becoming very episodic, very procedural. Mm-hmm. But I think it's for the best. I really do. And yeah. about five or six episodes in, it really, really reminds me of Firefly. Okay, uh, does it to you? Just the the crew, you know? Yeah, like I there's can... the nerdy crew member, and there's the right. hot chick crew member, and there's like the badass chick crew member. I think uh, they're trying to get there. It hasn't. That's that's my one complaint with this show is is I just I'm not digging the cast, yeah. Um, and it's mostly just Ward and the the two uh, the two Brits or whatever the Fitzsimmons. I don't I just don't I don't care for their what they want to be witty banter. I don't know. Like I you know it, it'll it may take time for that to gel together. Firefly I think is I don't know that. I don't know if it's Whedon's best show because we never really got an opportunity to see one way or the other how it was going to turn out. But I do think it is the only one um, that from from the gate it is you're into the characters. I think every other pretty much every other Whedon show you really kind of have to dig in and wait for those characters to uh, get good and fire. And, and I think Shield is very much that way. Firefly to me was. I was immediately into Firefly from yeah. from episode one, and and Shield. I'm going to keep watching it, but if you made me, you know, if they canceled it today, I I would oh that you know okay I'll be all right. Firefly made me angry, you know. Sure, yeah, exactly. Um, Richard, you been keeping up with anything? Honestly, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> so I've been really bad. Anything got... you've been meaning to catch up with, or just nothing interests you? In this I'm pretty much out on everything. I've watched a blacklist here and there. I've Brooklyn watched nine, nine, no? Yeah, I'm still on Brooklyn. I think I'm one or two behind on that. But I haven't Same. watched TV in probably two weeks. It's been a very busy couple weeks for me. So uh, aside from football on Sundays and some basketball tonight, that's I've been kind of falling down on my uh, culture. So sure, uh, I I did hear that Brooklyn Nine Nine got picked up, nice or renewed. Yeah, another show Good. got renewed too. I can't. Re- Brian, you might know uh, which Hollow which got picked okay. up for a, It was something strange. Now I can't remember. They 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 didn't order a full season, but it's because the time slot is going to revert to the following. I want to say they only gave it nine more episodes, so it's going to get like a fifteen episode run, something like that. I've been keeping up with Sleepy Hollow too, and I've I've continued to enjoy that. It's it's kind of similar to Shield in that it's nothing spectacular ever, but uh, it's it's enjoyable, and it's kind of crazy. And I, I you know I think that's the way to go if you're going to do a. I said this in our pilot preview, but if you're going to do a show like Sleepy Hollow that's got 
that's based on just a ridiculous premise, then you need to just go all out and do crazy things with it. And I and I think they've done that. So that's it's been enjoyable. Yeah, but Brian, a little bit of bad news. Your favorite shows have been canceled. The um <laughs> Welcome to the Family and <laughs> Back in the Game. Both Oh, did Back in the, the Game X. get the X today? I think uh, so. Welcome to the family. If you'll remember, if our listeners will remember, I I said I'm going to watch one more episode because it it wasn't as cliche as I thought it was going to be, and I wanted to see what would happen. I watched three minutes of the next episode, and I was like, nope, it it's just as cliche as, as I thought it was going to be. Never mind, I changed I, I changed course, so that was pretty bad. I'm digging Trophy Wife though, and I know I, I'm I caught the woman. tail end of that today. Um, yeah, I think I was watching something on ABC and. I DVR'd it and caught the tail end of Trophy Wife. Yeah. And I like the the tone of it and everything. It's something I could definitely see myself watching. I love sure. Malin Ackerman. I do she's, too. She's and cute is, and funny and yeah. yeah, everything. This may be like the, the best thing just fit wise that she's that she's yeah. ever done. Like she 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 hits the role quite well. No one's watching it, but ABC had two or three other shows that failed miserably and so it's gonna get an opportunity to find an audience, which I'm I'm happy for. I I kind of don't get why it hasn't been a bigger success, other than just the title is terrible. That I mean, really, legitimately could be part of the issue. But uh, I I think uh, I think people would really like it if they give it a chance. We had friends over this last week, and uh, we had a couple of the episodes sitting on the DVR, and so we popped them on, and all of them enjoyed it. And so I think people just need to find out about it, really. Yeah. Um. What was I going to say? Shoot. Oh, so Breaking Bad is gone. What do we think is – I mean last year and maybe even the year before that, all anyone talked about was Breaking Bad really. Yeah. So yeah. what do we think is going to be the, the show that takes over that spot that Breaking Bad, that water cooler spot that Breaking Bad uh, occupied for so long? I mean The Walking Dead is still there. And The yeah. Walking Dead just got picked up today for season five, and that's getting huge. Which is shocking. I can't Gosh. believe it took them that long to decide to do another season of Walking Dead. I mean, yeah. it's getting ridiculous, ridiculous numbers. But so, what what show do we think is gonna sort of occupy that portion of American pop culture now? I, personally, I mean, I I don't think you can look for those things anymore. Like I I think. TV is so segmented at this point that things like the Breaking Bad, to me, that was kind of a phenomenon. I don't think that's, I don't think you can expect water cooler TV anymore. Yeah. Um, Walking Dead is probably the closest thing. And if, if and when it gets close to like a final season, which at this point, uh, not even close. They're no, not even, I mean, they're not they even like, a, going, they're not even like a 10th of the way through the, first set of comic yeah. books so yeah so i mean when it gets close there's that game of thrones is always going to it's going to draw a very vocal audience i don't know that it's ever going to draw the audience that breaking bad had just because of accessibility yeah. um i know there's there was a lot of game of thrones talk this last year and that that kind of got close to what breaking bad was going through and then breaking bad just blew it apart in its final um, run. I I know Richard and I would love for for uh, that next show to be Mad Men, but but people just don't um, they don't flock to that the way that they do for they did for Breaking Bad or they do for The Walking Dead, which is you know kind of sad because it's such a great show. But when it gets three million viewers, they feel good about that. 
Whereas yeah. I think Walking Dead pulled in like eighteen this last this last episode. So yeah, I I've heard and I haven't watched the show one time. And if you listen to this podcast because you think Kent Garrison has awesome taste, just know that I've never seen an episode of Homeland. So I know <laughs> it's a sin. I'm sorry. It's gonna happen eventually. But I've heard this let this new season of Homeland is like off the charts awesome. Really? Uh, I've I've heard a lot of complaints about the last two seasons. I really? watched the first season. I heard yeah, I heard the same really complaints good. about the last season, but this like the past 2 or 3 weeks, yeah, I've heard it's redeemed itself and it took like a M Night Shyamalan type twist okay. in the plot that's just like, "Oh my gosh, you don't see it coming." And it's like changes the right. whole vibe of the show. So, if that's the probably the one I'm I'm going to circle and get into yeah. the next you know, that'll be my new Breaking Bad that I need to start go from start to finish because, yeah, that show intrigues me a lot. But it's going to be interesting to see who, what show kind of rises yeah. above this, this with, fall, you know. Yeah, the deal with Homeland is like Showtime, I think, has a history of not being able to keep their shows running strong for a long period of time. Like Dexter is a great example of that where it just – from what I understand, I haven't watched Dexter since like the third season, but from what I understand, the last two seasons were just an abomination. So, yeah. And there's, they've had other shows like that too where it's like, man, this is a great one-season deal, and then they don't really know how to sustain that. Um, that, was my, that was my feeling on Homeland um, that maybe it kind of would have been served better to just be a 10-part miniseries and be done. But there's a lot of shows like that, regardless of network. I mean, that's kind of my... That's a bandwagon of mine, you know, to, to kind of limit how long you're going to keep a show on the air because you can tell a much better story in a short period of time. But that means you have to be creative the next year and come up with something different. So, so yeah, that. we're going to have to see in the next couple of weeks which shows end up surviving this six to eight week period after premieres. Yeah. Hopefully, Sean Saves the World makes it. <laughs> and uh, what else? What does Fox have to offer this year? Uh, dads? Yeah, hopefully Dads, dad's and Sean Saves the World. Up, dude. Dad's got, got a full season order. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I, I just want to meet somebody and feel free to email the show if this is yes. you. Meet somebody that enjoys it. Explain yes. to me what's good about it and maybe I'll see it your way. Maybe I will. I just... I don't seriously. I just see that, that's a great idea. Please, if you are a loyal dads watcher, please <laughs> send us one paragraph. It just sounds so funny on what to it say. is about the show, and we will we will read it live. Yeah, that's a guarantee. We, we've, we've got to we we got to understand what what's going on there because it man. Whew. Yeah. All right. Well, enough TV talk for now. I just wanted to see where you guys stood on the pilots. Uh, I guess we're pretty much even. We're going to keep up with Shield, and hopefully it it becomes great because um, I've invested a little bit of time into it already and I don't want it to get canceled soon because about eight hours wasted there. <laughs> because, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but So I got movie news, of course. We talked a lot about Jurassic World. We talked about Colin Trevorrow and the, the name change and the plot synopsis change and everything. Well, casting rumors or casting has actually come out for it. And I don't know if we mentioned on the podcast, but I, ta- I told you guys, uh, Josh Brolin has signed on, as well as one of our favorite uh, actors, friends of the Mad About Movies podcast, Mr. Idris Elba, also Ooh. attached to Jurassic World. I guess he's going to have a half-lit cigarette in his mouth and say, hold <laughs> on to your butts. Right. 
Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, that's his yeah. And the lead kid is that kid from Iron Man 3 who we all thought was awesome. Yeah. So that seems pretty solid for a three-person, you know, main <laughs> cast, I, right. I, I think. I mean, that yeah, interests me with Colin Trevorrow directing and sort of a new direction there. Right. Josh Brolin seems like a perfect fit for Jurassic Park, doesn't he? I love Josh Brolin, so I, I, I'm not... Uh, I don't know what in the world is going to happen with this movie. That sizzle reel that you sent us a few a couple of months ago was yeah, like a was awful. A teaser was just was I mean, terrible. Oof, one of the worst things I've ever seen. So <laughs> I hope that all that was was just hey, look what we're going to be able to do I, with dinosaurs. I mean, it's no way any of that's in the movie. I've, I've got to believe. I don't understand. What was it? Was it like a? I'm trying to remember. Was it like a beach scene and then like? Yeah. Pterodactyls like fly fly down and like scoot yeah. people out of the water at the beach. Right. Yeah, it, man, like, it, what the hell? It looked bad, but the, I mean, it really. I, I've got to hold out hope. We it really did look like something that's like used in a pitch meeting, and that's it. So it was probably never meant for our consumption. I I hope because man, it looked terrible. But uh, I'm digging. I Brolin's great. Elba's great. I don't know that kid's name from Iron Man three, but he was really good. Um, Maybe Shane Black will come in and write some dialogue for him or something because yeah. he and Tony Stark had a great, uh, great back and forth. Um, you know, look, I we do not know any, we we really don't know anything about this movie. So we've it's it's too early to get either too worked up and angry or too worked up and and generally excited about about it. But uh, I like the casting choices to this point. Yeah, Richard, any thoughts on the casting? Uh, I mean, I like, I like, like, just to echo what you guys said, I like all those choices. So, but I think you're right, Ken. I think Brolin is uh, tailor made to be uh, in, in, you know, Jurassic Park movie. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, some teaser news that I think is worth mentioning X Men Days of Future Past trailer has dropped. Have you guys seen it? Yes. Brian? I, wa- I haven't digested it. I. I played it and then like, I don't know, it was busy or the kids started crying or something. I didn't really watch it, but, uh, I, I will, I will do that tonight. I meant to do it before the podcast and I knew you were going to bring it up, but yeah. I didn't get to it. Uh, man, really excited for this. Just super, super anxious to see how they're going to meld these two. I mean, they're not fr- different franchises, but different takes on a franchise i guess sure into there's this is really unprecedented yeah like imagine them melding uh i know this is a stupid example but melding like the star wars prequels with the new star wars with the original star wars (laughs) you know like having hayden christensen with luke skywalker in the same you know it's just like yeah in your mind you don't think it could ever work but I mean, this this the trailer looked very intriguing, and um, Peter Dinklage looked awesome. I just wanted yeah. to, to mention that too. And who is direct Brian Singer? Yeah, that, that's my only hesitation with this is the singer factor. I mean, you can't discount Brian Singer messing something up. I, <laughs> I just it almost seems too good to be true. This movie. How do you feel about that, Brian? I like Singer, and I I just I think that this is his opportunity to kind of return to prominence. I, you know, Star Superman was a I can I can give him a pass for Superman because it was a he took a gamble, it didn't work. 
He tried. He tried to make Superman interesting, which Man of Steel failed on magnificently. And so, you know, I'll give him credit for that. He just picked the wrong Superman is really what it comes down to. Brandon Ralph is terrible. Um, But and and then Jack the Giant Slayer or Killer or whatever it was. um, I, I want to believe that that was his humbling experience because the budget just went ridiculous on that and nobody was happy with it, including Singer. So I'm going to, I, I know that he's very capable of, of good stuff. So I'm going to, I'm going to remain cautiously optimistic. Man, I've got, speaking of superheroes, this is kind of, this should have been mentioned last week or the week before when we, when we were talking about Captain Phillips Tom Hanks has been doing a lot of press for Captain Phillips around the world and stuff, getting a lot of questions, a lot of crazy questions, of course. I mean, I'm sure he gets he, – he's probably gotten every question in the book. But somebody finally um, spoke up and asked him why he's never been in a superhero movie of any kind, a big blockbuster superhero movie. And I want to read his response because I think it's pretty interesting. He says – Quote, they don't ask me, man. I keep trying. Come on, I can do it. I know I can do it. Even let me play a bad guy. Let me play the bad guy against Batman. I'll do anything. Please call me. They've never asked. What do I have to do? God, (laughs) I just want to throw a shield at somebody. I want that. I don't want to play the guy in the suit who tells the superheroes what's going on. I want to be the guy. (laughs) Well, you know, Batman... Well, you know, Batman, Captain America, Iron Man, here's what we discovered. I don't want to be that guy. I want to get in there. I want to play the Flash or something like that. They'll <laughs> never give me a chance. Now, um, unquote. How how awesome is, is that? And how awesome would it be for Tom Hanks to be in a superhero movie? <laughs> it's just one of those things where people probably are casting these movies and they're like, Tom Hanks would never do this. Yeah. So they don't even ask, you know? But how cool would Tom Hanks be as the Flash? <laughs> I would love it. I would like to see him um, possibly in a Batman movie. Maybe Alfred or a villain or something, you know? Um, it's just interesting. You never thought about that before. And the more I think about it, I think it could be it could be really cool. I mean, Tom Hanks has proved to us he can do anything. Um, but who, what superhero do you think he could, he could pull off? Um, (laughs) he doesn't really, uh, fit the type for so many, um, I mean, he was 55 years old. So maybe like Dr. Strange or something. (laughs) Yeah. There you go. Maybe an older, older character. Yeah. Uh, make him Ant-Man. Come on, Edgar Wright. Sure. (laughs) That'd be funny. 55 year old Ant-Man. I thought that, I just thought that was an interesting quote. Yeah, um, you never would think that he would be, even be interested in something like that. But he seems to be literally begging for a block. I mean, he doesn't do many blockbusters when you think about it, does he? I mean, these two hundred million dollar epics. Uh, can't remember the last one he's done. Well, like the that. Da Vinci Code movies are 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 sort of blockbuster. Arguable, yeah. I mean, that first one made a crap ton of money. I think we discovered, Richard, didn't we discover that the second one also made a lot of money, yeah, just not here? Made, yeah. They both have made, like, upwards of $400 million. <laughs> Oh, gosh. Good grief. Ugh, you're the worst. Um, so, But, yeah, I mean, he's he's not really known for, God, $485 million for Angels and Demons. Ugh. 
Um, that really derailed me. Sorry. Uh, yeah, I mean that's not really the type <laughs> of uh, type of movie that he generally generally does. I mean, he's he's a drama guy and a lighthearted comedy guy, and and more importantly, he's a Tom Hanks vehicle guy. You know, I mean, he's going to do movies where he is the draw not yeah. necessarily the character which is which is great because that's i mean that's i know there's a doctor strange there's a doctor strange in the works with marvel that kevin feige confirmed like last week so circle tom hanks for doctor strange i think that'd be interesting i yeah. really do uh so there's one more thing i want to mention for movie news before we before we dive right into the counselor which i know will be awesome but uh, Star Wars 7 news, guys. Yeah. That I need to mention. So apparently today was the day, October 30th is when we're recording this episode, uh, 2013. Today was the day the title and trailer was supposed to drop, teaser trailer was supposed to drop for episode 7. Didn't happen that I know of. And I've got a lot of you know, sources on Twitter and things, and I've been checking all day trying to see if any news in this regard. Nothing ended up happening. But some news that has come out is Harrison Ford has agreed to do it officially. Sweet. Under the stipulation that Disney will make Indiana Jones 5. So that was his agreement. He's like, if you promise me that next year, after they're done filming this movie, next year you'll have a script prepared, ready for me, for Indy 5, and it's ready to go by next uh, I guess fall of 2014, then then he would agree to to play Han Solo in a multi picture deal. Nice. So it looks like we're gonna get uh, Ford as Han in three movies, and Ford again as Indiana Jones. So um, everybody's immediate thoughts is probably please don't, please don't make another <laughs> Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, and that's just an obvious misstep by all parties involved. You know, Spielberg took the blame, Lucas took the blame, Harrison Ford took the blame. It was just a misstep, and it was Wait, well, there's well a fourth out. Indiana Jones movie? <laughs> Do, to be honest, Brian, it. I have not seen it all the way through. Oh. Not one I time. saw it twice on opening weekend, so uh, I've just, wow. I, I can't, I've tried. Was that good? No, because I wanted, <laughs> I went and saw it with uh, with one group of friends. True story. I went and saw it with one group of friends because it came out on uh, Memorial Day weekend, right? So I went on like Friday night or maybe Thursday at midnight to see it with some friends. And it, I hated it. I just hate, obviously, obviously I hated it. It's a terrible movie. And, uh, but I'd already made plans with this big group of people to go like our whole singles group from church was going to go see this movie on Monday and uh, I couldn't or Sunday night or whatever. And I couldn't bail because I had planned it. So I had to go, but also I kind of wanted to go and I sat right between uh, my two, two closest nerd friends and I didn't even watch the screen. I just watched their faces as, uh, as the horribleness unfolded on the screen and just was like, yep, I told you, it's terrible. Um, but that was the last time that I've, I've tried ever since to, to block those, uh, those days from my memory to no avail, unfortunately. There is a, actually you can download, and I should probably link this on the website uh, tonight. If you go to com, check it out. You can actually download Frank Darabont's original screenplay for, for Indy 4. 
and it's nice. awesome. Nice. <laughs> and but apparently Lucas took all control and was like, "Screw this! I'm doing this yeah. myself." Typical George Lucas fashion. But yeah, totally uh, check that out. Indy Four by Frank Darabont, who wrote, uh, you know, Shawshank Redemption and right. The Green Mile and things like that. I, so I'm interested to see Kit on on a Indiana Jones because I know. He doesn't. Lucas doesn't really have any input on Star Wars. I know J.J. Abrams has come out and said, "Oh, you know, I'm talking to him all the time and getting his input." But really, you get the impression that that's just kind of passing courtesy. Um, I'm interested to see how much, if any, involvement he has with Indiana Jones because, to me, selling the Star Wars stuff to Disney and um, kind of taking his hands off it was almost an indication of, okay, not so much that I believe I can't do this anymore, but I, you guys obviously don't like it, so fine, I'm done. Here's, you know, here's the keys to the car. I'm curious to see what happens with Indy on that front, because if Lucas is writing it, it will be bad, and there's no question in my mind about that. So, But if he's not, then there's no reason that an Indiana Jones movie starring Harrison Ford directed by Steven Spielberg, can't be a decent movie, if not a good movie. Yeah. Yeah, Harrison feels that Indiana Jones is sort of a timeless character. Like, he could be 75, yeah. and still, it could still be an interesting movie. And the Han Solo thing, he's not too sure that the same rule applies to that, which time will tell. I mean, I just know that when I see Star Wars 7 and I see... Harrison Ford in the Han Solo garb with the blaster and Chewbacca. I'm going to yeah. be right back in, you know, when I first saw the first Star Wars. It's going to be awesome. I think yeah. it's going to be pulled off awesome and be great. And so, man, I'm just stoked. I, I also heard that um, another rumor that Mark Hamill's got his personal trainer and they're like working <laughs> their absolute crap out of Mark <laughs> Hamill right now. He's doing like a thousand sit-ups a day and like all this stuff to prepare for – for, and Carrie Fisher as well, too. Yeah. He's got so, a Yoda doll strapped to his back doing push How awesome is it going to be if it comes out and, like, they all just look awesome? Just like they walked off the set of Return of the Jedi just 20 years yeah. later, you know? I just, can bet oh. you Carrie Fisher won't look that yeah. way. Well, you so. never know. <laughs> she, she is the same girl as the girl in the uh, slave outfit. Let's sure. not forget. So I guess that's all we need to to talk about for movie news this week. I've got other stuff, but um, there's always next week to talk about that. Hey, ma'am, fam, question for you. Do you own a small business or are you a boss? Are you looking to hire awesome people, but you just can't find somebody to fill that role? Let me tell you about ZipRecruiter.com. With ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to 100-plus job sites all with one click. In fact, over 80% of jobs posted on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate in just 24 hours. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. That's why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them. Right now, you can post your jobs for free on ZipRecruiter by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. That's ZipRecruiter. Dot com slash mad. One more time, try it for free. Go to ziprecruiter.com slash mad. Thanks to ZipRecruiter for supporting this episode of the Mad About Movies podcast. Hey, what's up, ma'am? Fam, Kent here. 
And yes, if you're hearing from me, you know it's time to talk about Blue Apron. If you haven't tried out Blue Apron by now, what the heck are you even doing? Blue Apron is the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country. They deliver fresh meals straight to your door. All the food is fresh. It's sourced from local farms. And there's no wasted ingredients. I've been a Blue Apron subscriber for a long time now. And they have still, to this day, never let me down. There's tons of variety. Some featured upcoming meals include summer vegetable and egg paninis, soy glazed pork and rice cakes, skillet vegetable chili with cheddar drop biscuits, holy crap, and garlic butter shrimp and corn with green bean salad. So take it from me. Try out Blue Apron now. Go to blueapron.com slash mad. That's blueapron.com slash mad. Get three meals on us for free. Nothing goes better with a movie than dinner. So check out Blue Apron, blueapron.com slash mad. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. So let's get right into this, guys. Let's talk about the counselor. Counselor, we've got a problem. The shipment, it's gone. I had a call from our business partners. These people are out 20 mil. They think we're all involved, don't they? No. Just you, counselor. You. They don't believe in coincidences. They've heard of them. They've just never seen them. So I'm convinced, guys, after enduring this film, I'm convinced that one thing happened. That really Scott was at home on a Friday night. He went to one of the last remaining blockbusters in America. (laughs) And he picked out uh, on the new release shelf and the old release shelf, uh, he's like, Hmm, I'm going to check out this movie by uh, Paul Thomas Anderson called The Master. I'm going to rent some oldies. I'm probably going to just see what the watch Fargo. I'm going to watch No Country for Old Men. And I might as well binge watch Breaking Bad while I'm at it. And so he watched all four of those and crapped out a movie and called it The Counselor. That's how <laughs> I feel about about There were so many moments that were just direct in my opinion, direct ripoffs of other other films that came before. And I'll go into specifics here in a minute, but what an incredible misguided misstep this mm-hmm. film is. Yeah. Just an absolute um just just a disappointment in all in all levels. I mean there are some good performances. I feel Penelope Cruz was surprisingly good in this movie, I thought. And Fastbender was fine, but everyone else was unwatchable, uh, honestly. I thought Brad Pitt was bad. Cameron Diaz was easily the worst part of the movie Ugh. to me. How uh, dare you? <laughs> I know you'd say that, but dude. No, she's uh, really bad. My she, Cameron Diaz thing is just this. We've gone over this. I, I don't think she's that beautiful. I don't think she's very, that talented, even though she has some good performances. But I just know that we would be best friends. It's a weird oh, feeling to have. Oh, Hershey's a cool chick. Oh, absolutely. I agree there, yeah. I just think Cameron Diaz and I, it wouldn't be romantic, but her and I could just, you know, sit out on some patio somewhere and just have a good time together. And I've, yeah. I've, I've known this since I was like nine years old, so I stand by it. But I, yeah, she was terrible in this movie. I don't agree. I don't disagree with the fact that she's probably a cool chick because she's obviously probably a cool chick, but doesn't mean she should be in... no try to act like this. 
No. But there, it's just, you know, Cormac McCarthy, great writer, one of the greatest novelists, you know, fictional novelists probably of our of our time. He wrote the book No Country for Old Men, you know, yeah. and which is an amazing story. But that movie is so great because the Coen brothers adapted yeah. it into a screenplay, yeah. you know, yeah. and it that's that made all the difference there. And this is the opposite. I mean, they should have taken what McCarthy did here, whittled it down and made it into something that you could make a movie out. It did not feel like a movie. No. It felt like I was watching a novel on the screen. Yes, absolutely. 100% agree. Yep. And it just, there's so much dialogue. Meaningless dialogue. Meaningless dialogue. There's point, there are scenes that mean nothing. There are characters yep. that mean nothing. The cheetahs mean absolutely nothing. But nothing happens with them. They just ride along in Bardem's car with him and... The, the scene where the car crashes and the cheetahs like run out of the car for no reason. They don't go anywhere. They just yeah. get out of the car and walk away. That's that's all that happens. And there are just so, so many missteps here that I I could go into specifics right now. But I'm going to let you, Brian, give me your first impressions of The Counselor. Yeah, I mean, you guys, you guys hit my biggest issues with the film. I mean, I, I texted you guys when I left the theater – and just said one of the biggest misfires that I've ever seen, and I, that's that's what it is. I I'm not even willing. This may sound weird. I'm not even willing to call it a bad movie. It's just yeah. It's because there are some there, there are, are entertaining some elements. Scenes. There are some decent sequences. There are yeah. I actually think most of the acting is is at least passable. I mean, Brad Pitt was was fine to me. Fassbender was good. Cruz was okay. Uh, I thought Javier Bardem was actually um, really good, but in such a small role that you really he never got an opportunity to do much. When he was on screen, I was interested in the movie, and but that was about it. Um, I thought Cameron Diaz was terrible. Uh, I mean, I I don't know. Ugh, she's I don't know some high society like well, like <laughs> self entitled. Girl, I don't know what she was. Yeah, she. What her deal care, was there? I don't understand. I I really felt like, and this will sound perhaps crude, but I felt like her entire, the entire point of having her in the movie was basically so that uh, it was like Cormac McCarthy was like, I would like to sleep with Cameron Diaz, so I'm going to put her <laughs> in this movie well, and just have her do the most really yeah. obnoxious and. Sh- weird things like i don't i mean i don't know it, anyway uh well, angelina jolie was originally cast so okay, that pretty well, much answers your question there yeah i mean it's it's a you're you're right can't the cormac mccarthy he's a great novelist and i i personally think no country for old men is i i might would i i, I might say that's the best movie of the last decade i think it's a masterpiece yeah. Um, but the reason it's a masterpiece is because the Coen brothers took what he wrote and turned it into a movie. And this is just every scene. I I really feel like every scene I had to weigh whether or not it mattered to the plot. And yeah. it, it can't have been more than half. There can't have been more than half the scenes actually mattered to what was happening. There was so much wasted time and these like long... Uh, Siloquies and 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 like 
wannabe Shakespearean um, exposition. It's just, gosh, so much freaking dialogue and none of it matters at all. It's It was just such a... You can totally see why every single person in this movie signed on. You know what I mean? And you can yeah. see why Ridley Scott was like, yeah, this this could be a great movie. This should be Oscar bait, but it's... Clearly, Cormac McCarthy either had too much control in his contract or really Scott did not care. Like, just showed up, stamped his name on the film, and walked away. Because it also has – it does not feel like a Ridley Scott movie. Yeah, exactly. I was about all. to say that. It honestly feels like like a like a Beerhoven movie. Like, some of the dialogue in this movie could have been taken directly from, like, Strip Girls 2. Like, it's 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 <laughs> – it's – Showgirls too. Sorry, not strip girls too. Yeah, no. Um, yeah. no. <laughs> it, but anyway, it's just strip girls too is also a good movie. By the way, <laughs> <laughs> um, I just I've never seen a Ridley Scott movie like this at all. Like I think you can see Ridley Scott in some of the camera work, but just in the I mean the overall feel for the movie it it felt like a really bad Tony Scott movie, not a Ridley. Scott. I don't know. It was it's it's just a it's just a giant misfire on pretty much every level. Yeah, I would say the same complaint we had for Prometheus was you could see what they were going for. And for the most part in Prometheus, I felt like 70% of what they were going for, they accomplished. Sure. Here, 30% of what they yeah. were going for, they accomplished. And 70% was just crap. I mean, it. I, this movie's been circling for a while i mean people have been trying to make this i think fassbender might be the person who's been trying to get this movie made for a long 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 time and probably after working with ridley on prometheus convinced ridley hey this is a great story it'd make a great movie let's try to work it out yeah it just didn't feel thought out like it needed to be i know for a fact that if the cohen brothers had gotten this yeah it would have been a great movie I, because yeah. there are elements there that are great, and there are scenes that are that were that were entertaining that I did enjoy, and I'll talk about those here in a second. But I want Richard to give us his uh, impressions of the counselor. Well, you keep throwing me on here last, and I, I don't have too much original things to to say. <laughs> My uh, bad. I mean, what what else do you really? You you worded it to us. I believe you said it was an abortion. <laughs> the correct word you said yeah i mean it's pretty uh upsetting <laughs> on a lot of levels um it was a uh yeah though the acting i didn't care for any of the performances but they're not helped by to me the dialogue was just really bad yeah. it yeah. feels like one of those movies you watch kind of like i mean not to steal your joke brian but you know when you go when you watch a movie like the it's like the middle of the night on HBO, and you go, man, the production value is really bad on this. The dialogue is terrible. I don't know any. Oh wait, this is porn. Okay, I'm gonna flip the chat. <laughs> but you have like the yeah. 15 minutes where you don't know it's porn. Right. Um, this is like that for two hours. Like, yeah. It's so like on the nose and and uh, so disappointing. I mean, this is one of the movies I was kind of looking forward to this year. You see the cast, and you see the people involved. And, uh, Cormac McCarthy, you know, certainly the fact that he, he, him writing a screenplay for the first time is, is interesting. Uh, but, uh, yeah, no, bad, bad, bad. I'm going to go ahead. You guys could say it's fire or whatever you want. I, I'm going to say just a bad movie and let's, 
let's not make any more of these yeah. guys. Yeah. And the way the movie starts out, the first scene, couldn't have been oh. worse. Yeah, I almost left too, Kent. Dude, like, oh. why that the scene had nothing to do with the the movie, really. No. I mean, all that they're establishing in that scene is Michael Fassbender and Penelope Cruz are in love. Okay, yeah. that's all you have to establish. Well, There's no it, reason for them to no. go graphic. Yeah. The most graphic <laughs> simulated sex you've ever seen in a movie in the yeah. first two minutes before the credits. Yeah. But um, in hindsight, that does set the table beautifully for the rest of the movie because there's another 60 scenes that have absolutely nothing to do with anything. You know what yeah. I mean? Like that's, that's kind of a perfect microcosm for the entire movie. I will say the scene with Cameron Diaz and the Volvo or Ferrari or whatever she was. That was actually there. hilarious to me. Yeah. Just watching Javier Bardem's face yeah. during that scene was, that was acting right there. That was so funny to see his like wide eyes and everything. It's such <laughs> a crap. Like, the story. Again, yeah. no point for the scene whatsoever. No point but, at all. But yeah. Bardem, what, Bardem sold that and Fassbender yeah. too. That was easily not. <laughs> it's funny. It's like, you have a scene like that in a movie, and it's it's not it wasn't the Cameron Diaz part so much that made the scene. It was the reactions afterwards as Bardem and Fassbender are talking about it. That that's really the only part I'm gonna is gonna stick with me is just <laughs> Bardem trying to <laughs> trying to describe what uh, what was what she was doing. Yeah, yeah. That that was very adult, very very adult, but very. Pretty funny, I, I thought. That was a one of the very few highlights, if that's the correct word, of the of the movie. Um, but there were there were definitely some some exciting elements here. Some of the most grisly violence uh, you've yeah. seen in a movie. The scene in particular ripped directly almost out of No Country for Old Men or Fargo, I should say. Where they're on the highway and they're driving down with the illegal um, trash truck or sewage truck that's full yeah. of the drugs, you know? Yeah. And it's two guys and they get pulled over by the cops. And right when that happened, right when they get pulled over, I was like, oh, they're not going to pull a Fargo here, are they? Yeah. So one yeah. guy gets out of the car. This spoiler is coming up for the counselor right now, by the way. Spoiler is coming up. One guy gets out of the car, shoots the cops, just like in Fargo. And then another car drives up behind them, just like in Fargo, and witnesses the crime. And then they execute the person that witnesses the crime, just like in Fargo. I mean, it's almost verbatim a ripoff of that. And the another scene from Fargo they rip off where they kidnap Penelope Cruz at the end on the top of a parking garage <laughs> where yeah. the climax of Fargo <laughs> takes place on top of a parking garage. Like, is there any other way or location that they could have done that, you know? Oh. Like, for... And it's the same style of movie, you know? It's the same, like, drug trafficking, like, trying to hide from people you love, your secret life, and all this stuff. Very similar tones here that they were going for, but just felt like a ripoff yeah. of, of it. And the scene, you know, where they're filling up the sewage trucks with the drugs and... And then resealing them up and filling them with sewage. 
I was like, man, this feels straight out of Breaking Bad. This this yeah. is a crappy episode of Breaking Bad that I'm watching here. And there's Hank and then, Schrader. And then freaking <laughs> Hank from Breaking Bad shows up. And I was I was I laughed out loud in the theater. I was like, you gotta be kidding. He shows up for half half a minute yeah. for no reason. Just to show his face there. Yeah. And oh man, it was just angered me to no end. And there was just so much stuff here that felt recycled from other movies. And I just feel like if they had given this another shot with another, maybe not another director, because Ridley's a good director, different screenplay, different storyboarding, a different vision overall, maybe it could have worked. Somebody had to take control of the story and, and cut out all the, the meaningless dialogue and give it a give it at least some what of a coherent plot because it's not the worst plot you've ever seen, no. but it just yeah. it just doesn't ever come together. And so you're I don't know it it felt to me. Have you guys? I'm sure neither one of you saw this. Did you guys see last year a movie called Killing Them Softly with uh, Brad Pitt? And uh, James Gandolfini. Yeah, Al Pacino was in it, maybe. I don't know. Pacino wasn't. I know what you're talking about. It was in the theaters for like a week. week. Yeah. Yeah. And it was supposed to be, it's it's done by the guy who did uh, the assassination of Jesse James. Isn't what's his name in it too? Richard Jenkins. Yes. Yep. Richard Jenkins and uh, Scoot McNary from uh, Argo. Yeah. Yeah. it felt so the counselor. So I saw that movie and I hated it. I, I hated it more than I hate this. Because, but it was very similar. The only thing that that had, the only thing that the counselor has going for it against that movie is that uh, Killing Him Softly was just so beat you over the head political, and that just killed me. I can't. I just can't handle that. Um, the counselor, I think, touched on those things a little bit, but didn't really delve into it. But but uh, anyway. I, this movie, to me, very much reminded... It, it seemed like it was trying to go for uh, for No Country for Old Men and ended up right in the Killing Them Softly territory, where it's just like, there's no point to anything that's happening here. And you just get... Man, how many scenes in this movie are just somebody talking about nothing? Yeah. For, for The, the scenes for with no dialogue minutes. are the best scenes in the movie. <laughs> yeah. The scene, yeah. specifically, the best scene in the film... Hands down is when the, I guess, hired guy goes in the motorcycle shop with the tape measure, measures yeah. the motorcycle, <laughs> goes out, sets up a wire, you know, across the street, waits there all night for the motorcycle guy to drive by, decapitates the guy, and that's that whole sequence was pretty well done. I'm not going to lie. When he decapitates the guy, picks up the helmet, shakes the helmet, and the guy's head falls out of the helmet. And he pulls out the key from inside the helmet, you know? Right. You I know, thought that that was straight out of the Coen brothers. I mean, I could definitely sure. see them doing something like that. That was a pretty... That it was, was the a, most entertaining moment of the movie. Right. It, it was a cool scene, but it also, like like so much else of the movie, like it, there was really no point in him doing that. Like, yeah. he could have sat right there and mowed him down with a, with a gun. And it would have had the exact same ending you know what i mean like you can get away with those sorts of things when you're the coen brothers and the rest of your movie makes perfect sense you know you can you can do something uh that doesn't you know you can you can do something showy and graphic 
when something less showy would have done the same thing. You know what I mean? But you can't do that when the rest of your movie is to me, like that's almost the exact same thing as having these freaking cheetahs in every dadgum scene in the beginning. Like what, what point um, does any of this, this serve? Yeah. Totally. My favorite with the cheetah is when the when it's in the bar when I got like next to the piano player. What I don't I mean <laughs> that really didn't make any sense because they're like there's a there's a third cheetah that's just running around El Paso. I don't <laughs> I don't know, man. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And there there are so many misfires here that I could go all day talking about it. But overall, it's just it's just disappointing because. I mean, the studio had to have seen this. And why did they choose to release this right when they did? After Gravity, before, like, all these movies that are about to come. You know, Captain Phillips came out and, you know, 12 Years a Slave, same weekend. Like, yeah, it's just dead in the water to me. It's just, what's most disappointing is that the cast is so good. Mm -hmm. Uh, Fassbender, a great American accent. Like, I thought he nailed his. And I don't think I've seen him in an American role, really. I don't. I don't know if I've seen all his work, but he did a really pretty decent job here. And, yeah. But the way they kill Brad Pitt in this movie, <laughs> pretty incredible. You, you guys, yeah. pretty, pretty violent. Yeah, uh, yeah. And, and you knew but, that was coming. Exactly. That's that's my problem with it. Is is they called their shot like that. That could have been a really um, – it could have been more than just a graphic scene. Like that could have been a very shocking like pull you into the movie sort of scene. But they called their shot an hour and a half earlier when Javier Bardem explained exactly yeah. what happens with it. I I don't know. I felt like that was just another in a long line of, man, what are we – I mean it's a good scene. But when you tell me you're going to do that scene an hour beforehand, then I, I don't know. I'm not – I'm not as into it as I as I could have been. Now try to and once again, we're in spoilers here. Brian or Richard, please try to explain the ending of this movie to me. Uh because apparently I mean, I paid attention as close as I could to this movie. There's just so much that I didn't understand. Did the entire movie revolve around Cameron Diaz? Cuz she gave some sort of monologue at the end. Yeah. And in typical no country for old men fashion, it abruptly ends at the end, and everyone's just kind of like, "WTF? What? Why did the movie just end?" I don't. I didn't. What didn't catch exactly what she was saying? Like at the end of No Country, when Tommy Lee Jones yeah. is giving that little speech, you know? Right. Um, so what did she say there, and why? What was the ending? What was? How did this wrap up? Because I don't really understood stand what happened after Brad Pitt was brutally uh, executed. Richard, you got any thoughts on that? Because I'm I'm almost just as confused. Um, I'm probably less confused, but the the issue the reason for that is because the end of this movie featured me in my car uh, <laughs> driving away it. from with I I think I was left with about twenty minutes to go. I made it pretty far. Dude, this is um, a long movie too. Oh, it's yeah. only two it, hours though. That's the, it it's felt, only two hours long. It felt an hour longer than it was. Yeah. It yeah, honestly did. That's exactly what I told my wife when I got home. I was like, if you would have taken away my phone, locked me in a room, made me watch this, and then say, okay, how long was it? I would have said it's at least three hours long because it just kept dragging. Yeah. yeah. And, man, like I said, it just 
if you if you want to see a movie like this, see The Master, see Fargo, see No Country for Old Men, and binge watch Breaking Bad, and you'll have a thousand times better of experience oh, with all those. Um, but man, just awful. Any more thoughts that you guys any anything that you like about this besides stuff that we mentioned? Uh, I know Brian, you said there were some entertaining moments. Did I already mention them? Or yeah, I mean we've 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 hit on all the. Th- there's there's stuff here that if you if you had a better script and a more coherent storyline, you could put together something decent. Um, but there, you know, those few scenes do not make it worth seeing it at, at all. And there was a whole plot line about diamonds that I never really understood. Uh-huh. About cutting different shapes of diamonds, and it just so there's just too much crammed into here. Yeah. And Richard Roper, who I think is one of one of the more uh, level-minded movie critics out there, he gave this movie four stars, a plus Crazy. on his rating scale. And I'm just just trying to figure out what his mentality behind that is. I mean, maybe he's seeing something that I can't see that we can't see, but the general public does not see it because yeah. I walked out of the theater and there were several, and I, I stood outside the theater uh, just checking my phone just to kind of get the vibe of the of the audience, and there were several people that said, wow, that was easily one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. Um, it's surprising, you, you kind of hit on it, Kate, with what were they thinking releasing this now it's it's very surprising to me that they released this movie into a wide wide release because sure. there, there was no way this was ever going to resonate with uh with general audiences and they pushed it i mean it wasn't like the most advertised movie of the year but they pushed it pretty hard and i mean there was never a chance that this was going to succeed with audiences yeah, no, I agree. And uh, the star power draws the audience, but it honestly just makes you hate the people that you used to like. <laughs> you yeah. know, I like Cameron Diaz, but she's going to have to do something awesome to redeem herself from this, <laughs> yeah. I think. She was just the scene with her and Penelope Cruz, like naked, laying on their stomachs. Like, yeah. The, the back and forth between them was just cringeworthy. It felt like. That Charlie's Angels scene that was cut out or something. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there was just so much her, here. Her back she, and forth yeah. accent was terrible too. Uh, there were several yeah. times where it felt like she was trying to do like a Barbados thing and then she was not she at was all. She was trying to I be don't... sexy too much it felt yeah. like. She wasn't yeah, being naturally attractive Cameron Diaz. She was just going for this high society, super, super sexy model like I'm richer than you. I'm powerful girl. Yeah. And it just – you could tell she was she had the the eyes on the prize, the Oscar, the entire time, and it just couldn't be more of a misfire on her part. Yeah, was way better than bad teacher. <laughs> easily, easily. Uh, but that's like I that's all I really have to say about about the counselor. I never want to see it again. No, um, definitely don't. Great, and it's going to take somebody to either pay me or convince me that it's good. Um, convincingly for me to want to sit down and, and watch this again. So my grade for this, uh, definitely not a B, definitely not an A. 
Uh, definitely a low C to a D on my book. I, I'll give it a D, I'd say. What's your grade, Brian? Uh, yeah, I'd probably, I'd probably go with a D or maybe a C minus. Richard? F. <laughs> Is this top five worthy, Richard, of the year? Oh, worst? man. Let's see. We've got Now You See Me. Now You See Me was worse than this. Um, I think, uh, Carrie and Now You See Me are my top two. Carrie was worse than this. The Wizard of Oz was worse than this. <laughs> I don't know about that. I'm I love how much he hates that movie. It makes me happy. <laughs> um, what else did I see? It was worse. I have to put together, but it's, yeah, I think it's probably top five. Awesome. Well, go see The Counselor. It'll probably be in the theater for the next four and a half to seven and a half hours, yeah. if they're lucky, because it made like zero dollars and got absolutely, it got like a D on, uh, Critic score or yeah, Cinema score. Yeah. yeah, that's awful. Like yeah. even like the worst movies get a B on that. And sub like, sub forty on Rotten Tomatoes too. That's thirty thirty four percent as of right now on Rotten Tomatoes. And it's funny because Roper was like touting masterpiece on this thing. He was yeah. just like, I just don't understand. He had to have gotten paid off or something. Like, that happens. Just, like that was the exact same thing with. Uh, Killing them softly, like I hate, I, I despised it. I'm trying to pull up its score right now, and I, I want to say it ended up being rotten. But there were several people who like really dug it, and of course, my internet's just going to be super slow right now. But yeah, um, well, it did ended up being fresh. I, I'm totally wrong on that, and I, it's a terrible movie, so I don't know what they're. But critics see things differently than we do, I guess, and that's just that's just kind of the way it goes. Yeah. Well, disappointing for Ridley Scott because I like Ridley Scott, man. And it's disappointing after Prometheus because he needed to redeem himself a little bit after that. Didn't do it this time, but Prometheus 2 is written. He confirmed this past week. It's 100% written. Blade Runner 2 also is coming out. So let's give him a chance there. Make some good choices, Ridley, because you're talented and you have good vision. He definitely has – I mean Prometheus is one of the most gorgeous movies in a long time. He's got – he has style. He just needs direction. That's all That's all I really need. He needs – it's like George Lucas. He needs somebody to tell him no every now and then, you know? Sure. So, All right, guys. Let's move on. Let's, uh, let's do Weekly Recommends. Weekly Recommends. All right. I think this is going to be the most obvious recommend. Uh, the Arcade Fire Reflector <laughs> is out. And it's on shelves. I've been jamming it for a couple of days now. Tried not to listen to it too much because I don't want it to get super repetitive or old. So the vinyl came in the mail yesterday, surprised me, rang my doorbell. I was filled with delight. Uh, Listen to the vinyl a couple. The vinyl version is different than the uh, MP3 version that I had listened to uh, previously. So it's a good another little incentive to by the record if you're a record collector but just a great great record so i mentioned like a couple weeks ago when i recommended lightning bolt by pearl jam there's just not a lot of good albums that come out anymore i mean it's such a single driven market now with the somebody that i used to knows and the (laughs) bullcrap al city stuff that comes out you know what i mean yeah and this is just a solid vision great effort by the band i mean it's such a 
album that flows very, very well. They put a lot of thought into how they sequence their records, and just the artistic vision behind it is awesome. If you've been paying attention to any of their videos or performances they've been doing, uh, I really like how they choose a theme for every album and stick with it. You know what I mean? Like, sure. Neon Bible was the whole church cathedral theme, and the suburbs, they were doing the whole Boy Scouts, like, and they all wore jackets with a lot of patches on them and things like that. And this, they're doing total Haitian dance band. <laughs> and it works awesome with with their music. I think they it's a perfect blend of ethnic music with Arcade Fire. I mean, it's just um, a lot, a lot of great highlights on the record. But I wanted to mention and recommend a, a part two to this, that Here Comes the Nighttime special from from NBC. I don't know if you guys saw it that aired after SNL when they performed 30 minute concert of theirs. Um, check it out. Watch it before you listen to the record because it'll really help you understand the record and what they're going for here artistically and everything. And they're just an amazing band. Great jam band. Love watching them play. One of the more original bands that come out in a long time. And I just hope, totally. they, get, hope they get recognized for it uh, come Grammy time because I feel like it is immensely better than the suburbs. And it's yeah. just, it's a rock record, man. And Arcade Fire hasn't done much rock since, like, you know, Power Out on Neighborhoods was probably their most rock song or Rebellion or something like that. But I mean, they're back to their roots, but they've also evolved their sound, and that's what's great. And I'm just super stoked to listen to it again, some more, really dive into it, and great record. So Sweet. I hope you guys enjoy it too. So Reflector. Yeah. By Arcade Fire is my recommend. Uh, Brian. Yeah, good one there. I've, I've only listened to a couple of tracks so far, but I obviously I love Arcade Fire. I'm I'm stoked to get into it. Nice. Um, man, this was a this is a good week. Like I sometimes I kind of have to struggle to, to find something, but I, I I enjoyed quite a few uh, good things this week. Um, since it is uh, almost almost Halloween. I guess I'll go with uh, the more Halloween-y, horror-y one. Um, I think The Walking Dead officially became a good TV show in the last three episodes. Really? Um, yeah. Did I, you see the end of last season? I did, and it was a solid end. Um, I have a weird relationship with the show in that I think like individual episodes are fantastic at times, and then as a whole... I like here. Okay, so I started watching season four, right? Because that's what we're in. So the the first episode hit my DVR. I started to watch it, and I realized that I don't remember anything that happened in the previous season. And uh, so I went back, and I'll, I'll watch it on Netflix. And I started the first episode of season three, and I realized that I don't remember anything that happened in the season before that. And and so <laughs> I basically had to start over with it. And it's it's an interesting show because they have a really cool concept. Um, they have some good actors and some that are terrible, but but they've got a good thing going. And they, like I said previously in this episode, they can they can keep this going for fifteen years, really, because there's kind of endless possibilities of how they can keep uh, these these characters. Um, kind of strung out uh, for for a very long time. Anyway, uh, so I, anyway, there's there's been some really good stuff that they've done, but I've never been able to shake the feeling that it's a decent show. Maybe not even a good show, but I, I enjoy it. You know what I mean? 
Um, yeah. The arc that they're on this this season with the uh, without I don't think it's a spoiler to say they with the infection is really good, and I think it's one of the best one of the best things that they've done uh, on this show since the very beginning. Um, so I it's the last two episodes are probably the first episodes ever that I've watched like within a day of, uh, of their premiere. Usually I let them sit on my DVR until I get three or four of them and then kind of power through. Um, but I, I'm catching up. I caught up on this new one just like an hour or so after it actually aired. So I think it's getting really good. I think they're starting to weed out some of the bad actors and find some guys who can carry a little bit of the B story themselves without, uh, the main two or three guys being involved. And that's, I think that's an important part. And I think they have some stability now, which is maybe the most important thing. Cause they have gone through, I want to say at least five showrunners in the three years plus four episodes that they've been on the air. Cause they've just been completely unstable. So now that they're, st- they're starting to find I, a little bit of a foundation, I would say yeah, it does seem like it's making a difference and it's, it's, they're picking up the game. So um, sure. I'm gonna. I'll go ahead and recommend the uh, The Walking Dead this week. Okay, just the whole se- whole series or a specific season, or you know, I don't think this is a show that you can pick up this next episode and know what's going on. Yeah. Um, I think you need to go. You can probably skip at least the first half of season two because I think that is a really genuinely bad season of television. Um, yeah. Just nothing happens in season two. That first six episodes is really good television. Really good. Um, and then season three had really good moments. Kent, you've watched all of these, haven't you? Yeah, You're, I've seen uh, every episode, yeah. Clear, the episode where they go back to town and he runs into the guy that uh, helped him out in the first episode. Yeah. Is, is just spectacular. It's just really great uh, show episode, but... Then there are so many others. The governor, I never really... I dig the character, don't dig the performance at all. I just think it's really lazy. Um, so the, anyway, la- the season finale of season three, though, with the governor, Yeah, the way he lashes out on his whole tribe right. and stuff, yeah, man, that's incredible. That was a crazy episode. Oh, my it gosh. Is. So I think it's really getting good, and, I, and I'm excited for that because, like we, we talked about earlier, it's, it's one of the few things that does have the potential to be a big phenomenon, you know, where people are talking about it. And I, I like that stuff. So I'm, you know what surprises me most Brian about this recommend. Yeah. Is that you don't like horror movies. I know. Yeah. Walking dead is the the most gory thing you'll see. Yeah. There's more, there's more gore in that than any horror movie I've seen in a theater this year, at least. Right. Uh, it's, that's just cool. I mean, that, that surprised me that, you enjoy The Walking Dead, but you won't see uh, a lot of horror movies because yeah, I feel like well, they're one and the same kind of. But. This stuff doesn't scare me. That's part of it. Yeah, <laughs> and I can handle gore and short doses. I think that's actually one of the, the strokes of genius of the show is that you can bet that there's going to be two or three spots in each episode that are going to be really gross and gory and you know blood splurting everywhere. But then it doesn't. They do a really good job of navigating around that stuff to where you don't feel like every week you're sitting down to 42 minutes of zombies eating people and or getting their heads bashed open. You know what I mean? Like there's so much going on outside of that part of, of the of the show that I can 
I can get around five minutes total of really gross, gory stuff because the other 37 minutes is is tamer and is not going to keep me up at night or gross me out, you know? Favorite character, Daryl Dixon. Yeah, totally. If he, if he dies, I'm stopping. <laughs> I'm not watching I know. anymore. I know. That's, that's he's, no lie. He's so interesting, too, because I think if you go back and watch those first the first season, he is easily the worst actor in the bunch. Like, he's just, yeah. he's brutal. It's so bad. Um, and somewhere, somewhere around the middle of season two, it's like he, I don't know, like went to Matthew McConaughey's acting school or something, the same, the same place where McConaughey went to, to learn how to, to get stuff done. Um, and, and suddenly he's, uh, the most enjoyable part of the show, I think. Good recommend. I was going to do a Halloween themed recommend too, but I couldn't pass up Reflector. So sure. maybe next week I'll do a post Halloween uh, recommend. So Richard, week recommend? Yeah, mine's kind of Halloween themed in that it's it's certainly scary. Um, I just uh, I just finished the Michael Douglas biography. Oh, <laughs> okay, nice. Well, I'm a big biography guy. It's it's film related somewhat, so it's very good. Um, it really goes into it was written it was published last year in 2012 so it doesn't have some of the more recent stuff but it it really goes into a lot of his addiction uh things like that so it, excuse me sorry just had a weird like my lungs didn't work there we go back to i'm living again um but uh really interesting book i mean I, i'm a sucker for these kind of like celebrity bios and this one's not like as trashy as one would think uh it's a pretty smart little little book it's well written uh, Mark Elliott, I believe, is the author, uh, and you know it's Michael Douglas talking about sex addic- addiction for you know chapters. <laughs> chapter. So there's certainly some stories there. So you know uh, what? I, I feel like if I was married to Catherine Zeta-Jones, I'd have that problem too. That's just my, <laughs> my inclination. Yeah, I think we can agree on that. So, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I'm just fun little book. If you're looking for something kind of mindless to read and you want to know more about Michael Douglas, which don't we all? Uh, right. In the words of you know Kanye West, Michael Douglas out the car now. Uh, so um, that's it. That's all I got. So we have his movie Last Vegas, guys. Brian, <laughs> talk to us about Last Vegas. I know you teased. You said you had a Twitter war with Last Vegas. Or something. <laughs> oh, yeah. Talk yeah. to us about that. It wasn't. It, so one of the guys that uh, I, I used to write on this movie website uh, a year or two ago, and one of the guys that worked with me on there, we still converse occasionally on Twitter and uh, he said something, it wasn't even overtly negative about the movie, but he went on like three tweets in a row where it was just like, oh man, this doesn't look good and said something about, oh, I just found out John Turtletop who uh, did uh, the National Treasure movies directed this movie. This this is going to be weird. And, uh, and, the, <laughs> and the Las Vegas Twitter feed responded to him it was just like, yeah, but it works. Wait for the reviews come out or something, something to that effect. And and responded again, you know, to another one. And they were like kind of like it wasn't just over contentiousness, but it was kind of a strange like you're wrong. It's going to be a really good movie, um, which I don't think it is going to be a really good movie. And it's 50 percent on Rotten Tomatoes right now. So uh, but. So I responded to him and said something, you know, oh man, don't, you know, don't get them angry or whatever. And it turned into this like strange, probably three or four back and forth between us and 
whoever's running the Las Vegas Twitter account. <laughs> and uh, it was just very strange because I've had that experience before when Bucky Larson, if y'all remember, yeah. <laughs> came out. I trashed it so much on t- both Twitter and my blog at the time that I started getting like, like really angry feedback from the Twitter feed for Bucky Larson. Like they (laughs) were talking trash to me and stuff. And I'm like, guys, you have to know what kind of movie you're selling here. Like this is the worst movie. I mean, it it really, it's a zero on Rotten Tomatoes. I mean, it's a terrible movie, you know? So it wasn't quite to that extent. And I kind of have respect for whoever's running the, the the Las Vegas uh, Twitter feed because it was, you know, it was mildly entertaining and funny, uh, probably more entertaining and funny than their movie is going to be. But uh, yeah. it was interesting. It just kind of shows the weirdness of the world that we live in now. Yeah, that I'm going to have to go back and look on their Twitter feed and check out that convo for sure. Yeah, and I think they were doing it with multiple people. Like, I think that's what he was doing on a Saturday was just <laughs> arguing with people, people telling them to see it. The movie. Yeah. Nice. Uh, Ryan Gill, let me ask you this. Where can I find your work online? Uh, you can find me on Twitter with uh, Las Vegas. at uh, you stole my joke. <laughs> Got him. Uh, you can find my writing at canbabiesdrinkredbull.com. Richard. You can find me on Twitter at Richard Garden Kent. Where might I find you? Find me on Twitter at Kent Garrison. Find the show on iTunes, just search Mad About Movies. Make sure and give us a five-star review and leave us uh, some feedback. You can also find all our episodes on madaboutmoviespodcast.com as well as links to all of our weekly recommends. Is there anything else you guys want to mention about The Counselor before we get out of here? If you enjoyed this movie, go see A Counselor. That's what I Booyah. All right, uh, I guess until next time, we will see you at the cinema. Bye. Bye. Goodbye. Goodbye.